I want to talk about prayer today. And at the end of the service, we're going to revive an earlier thing that we did. And I'm going to just bring this out right now. And we are entering into a season of what I want to say is going to be prayer. And we're going to go back and we're going to be writing down some of our loved ones' names again. And we're going to recommit and we're going to reestablish and refocus. And this time we, we, we got a board where we can just write it and erase it. Because I'm believing that we're going to write people's names on that board that need to be saved. And they're going to get saved and we're going to erase their names. And their name's going to be written in the Lamb's Book of Life and taken off of Pastor Bill's, uh, you know, it's not a book, I guess it's Board of Prayer. And so we're going to believe for God. How many of you want to get back to being focused on praying for our loved ones and the people that are around us that need to be saved? Anybody? More than three people? Amen. Praise God. So we're, we, we are, and I, I really believe that God has given me several different things. And in the next several weeks, we're going to be teaching on being a house of prayer and being a house of sending and a house of gathering. And God is giving me a series of what the house of God is to be like. So let's bow our head, let's pray, and let's prepare our heart for the word of God this morning. Father, we thank you. Lord, as we come, we do believe indeed that you are the one who speaks into our hearts and changes our lives and causes us to be renewed, that we might be able to do that good and acceptable will of God. And Father, I pray right now, Father, that you just give clarity of mind, articulation of speech, boldness of spirit, Father, to speak the word. And Father, people here having ears to hear, hearts to receive, and a will to be doers of the word and not just hearers only. And so, Father, we pray that, and we ask it in Jesus' mighty name, and everyone said, amen. Well, open up your Bibles uh, to Isaiah, excuse me, to uh, Matthew 21, and then go ahead and maybe put your finger in Isaiah 64, but we're going to start out in Matthew, and we're going to read a text that is highly familiar. Uh, It is a great text that I often use because it's so profound and so needed today uh, in our lives. And we're going to begin reading there in Matthew 21, verses 12 through 14. And Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple. And he overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold. This is what Jesus did. He acted. He did something about the lack of prayer and how prayer had been replaced with carnal things. And he said unto them, It is written, My house shall be a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. I like how Jesus always spoke to the mountain. He always declared what God wanted something to be. He always declared God's will. He always spoke in line with the scriptures. And so he said, My house is to be a house of prayer. You know, a lot of churches have made it a house of pep talk. There's a life coach, and he gives you a 10-minute pep talk, and everybody's happy. And, you know, or they've made it a house of little Christian concerts. Or they've made it a house of almost like a carnival of, of fun things just to do, to, to entertain our flesh and to excite our uh, sensory realm. And, uh, some, and some churches have done better, and they've made it, Maybe a house of preaching and teaching, and that's good, and it's supposed to be that. But it should be more than that. Some have made it just a house uh, uh, of coming together and just a house of fellowship. And some have made it, you know, this, and some have made it that, and some have made it a house of social gathering. Some have even made it a house of, we'll go there because that's where all the richest businessmen are. 
And that's where I want to set up and have my practice is among all the wealthier or the people with all the business in that church. And, you know, many, many, the church has been exploited, used, and abused, and molested in many, many different ways. And believe you me, it's, it, that is molesting the church as to what it's supposed to be. And they made it a house of merchandise. And they, they sold, and in another place it said because uh, of uh, their, you know, basically their, their greediness and because uh, they wanted to make money. And, and, uh, and there's a lot of different things that I could go there. In John 2, let's read it out of John 2 and 15. Here's another place where Jesus confronted them. And it's very clear. He makes it very, very clear what the issue was. And he says, and when he had made a scourge of small cords. How many of you know Jesus premeditatedly made a whip? That kind of weirds me out. Pastor Bill, you're not going to make a whip, are you? Here's Jesus getting ready to go to church. What was his preparation for church? He made a whip. Pretty strange preparation to take to church. Can I get an Amen. And, you know, you think about that. And when he had made a scourge of small cords, he drove them all out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen and poured out uh, the, money, the changers of money and overthrew the tables and said unto them that sold doves, take these things, hence, make not my father's house a house of merchandise. Wow. And his disciples remembered that it was written, the zeal of thine house has eaten him up. That's an Old Testament prophecy. But he said, you have, make not my father's house a house of merchandise. They'd made it merchandise. Today we would call it consumerism. And consumerism goes like this. We'll give the people what they want. We'll design the message that not offend anyone, but give it to them what they want to hear. We'll give them the music they want to listen to. We'll give them the dress code that they want or the appropriateness. And I'm fine if you wear jeans and a T-shirt, but some are dumbing it down and dressing it down so much. It's no longer how high can we go in God, it's how low can we go. And there's something wrong with that mentality. And, you know, there, there's something about, you know, we, we aren't here to accommodate man. We're here to worship God. Can I get an Amen. Yet many have seen how low they can take. They, they, they want to see what they can make it into. and still. But the Bible still declares that God wants his house to be a house of prayer. And Jesus didn't say house of preaching. And, and let me tell you something. Jesus was a preacher. They called him rabbi. And, and he was the apostle of our faith. And he was the good shepherd. And, and he was rabbi, which means teacher. And he, and he said, I'm called to preach the gospel to the poor. And that means evangelist. And, and he was all these things. He was a preacher. In every aspect of the word, but he said, but my house needs to be a house of prayer, not a house of fellowship, not a house of preaching, even though, yes, his houses are those things. But what he emphasized and got really ticked off about, enough to make a whip and drive people out, was that it wasn't a house of prayer. Because prayer is the intimacy that you have with God. You know, it's one thing to learn about uh, Ronald Reagan, but it's another thing to have known him and quietly, just you and him, sat down and had intimate conversations. Can I get an amen? See, we learn about God through this book right here. But we get to know him with an intimate relationship 
when we have prayer. That's why Jesus was angry about the most important part. You know, it's kind of like, oh, let's get married, but not have a honeymoon. How many think that's quite strange? In other words, we want the formality of knowing that the covenant took place, but we don't want the intimacy to bring it to full consummation. Many people want to know all about God and have the formality of coming and learning about God and going through all the motions and having the head knowledge. But then they don't want to take what they learned and have the intimacy of the relationship through prayer. Can I get an amen this morning? You see, it is very important that we understand what it is that God really wants from us, and that is a relationship. And it's pretty hard to have a relationship when you never talk. And you never have a divulging of your heart and revealing of your needs and a giving of thanks and acknowledging of what the other one has done for, for you. You see, this is what prayer, the highest form of prayer is praise. Some, we think, that, oh, that's just song service. No, that's prayer put to music. And so there's a, there's a speaking to yourselves in hymns and songs and spiritual songs and making melody in your heart. But there's another one, sing unto the Lord, O ye people, and shout to the Lord with the voice of triumph. You know, there, there, there's a time to sing unto God and make praise unto him. And that's actually a form of prayer put to music. So Jesus was very vehement. He was very zealous. He was very adamant and intentional about getting the people to understand that his house had to be centered around prayer as well as the word of God. Can I get an amen, somebody? See, even what has happened in our, in our country, and turn in your Bibles to uh, Proverbs 28, 9. This is what has happened. And it's, and it's so clear to me to see that when we don't go to church, uh, we don't hear the word of God. And then when we don't hear the word of God, we don't have faith. And when we don't have faith, prayer doesn't work. And when prayer doesn't work, we give up on prayer. Let me say that again. When we don't go to church... We don't hear the word of God. Where we don't hear the word of God, we don't have faith because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And when we don't have faith, prayer doesn't work. And where prayer doesn't work, people give up. Come on. Does everybody say it? It's true. Turn in your Bibles to Proverbs 28. And this is what happens, and this is what has happened in the American church. We think we can just go to church whenever we feel like it once in a while, on and off. we got something more important, more fun to do. We're going to go there. But God doesn't like that. And God isn't like that. It says, he that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, that's not coming to church and hearing preaching, essentially. That's, this is the, the modern 2015 translation. Uh, he that turns his, away, his ear away from hearing the law. You know, that, that sounds real archaic. He turneth his ear away from the hearing of the law. You know, that almost sounds poetic. It's very King James. But let me just tell you, it's the folks who don't go to church. Turning your ear away from hearing the law is turning your ear from hearing the preacher on Sunday morning at church. Turning your ear away from hearing the law is not sitting under the preaching. And so I don't want anybody to be in condemnation, but let me tell you the effect that it has. I'm not here to beat you over the head about that. I'm not here to point a finger at anybody, but I am here to tell you what is the results of that. What is the bigger, overreaching, overarching result when, well, I just, you know, another sister saw I just missed a little here, and this sister and brother missed a little here, and, 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 and it just completely disassembles any power and prayer that a congregation can have. It really does. And look what it says. It says, he that turneth away his ear from hearing the law. And notice, he who doesn't sit under the preaching of church, even his prayer shall be an abomination. Wow. People that won't come and listen to the word, when they pray, it's just an abomination. 
I got news for you, folks. It ain't going to work. Faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing, not just praying real hard. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Romans 10, 17 tells us that very, very clearly. So faith comes by hearing the Word of God. You know, the Bible says, all things are possible to him that believes. We thought it said, all things are possible to him that, that prays. But that's not true. We thought it said, all things are possible to him that prays. And then we prayed, and it didn't work, and we blamed God, and we walked away mad about it. But it says, all things are possible to him that believes. And to believe, you've got to have faith. And to have faith, you have to sit under the word, because what? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Somebody say amen. Come on. Does everybody get that this morning? It is so important. It is so important. You, you, you don't just pray, you sit under the word and get taught and get your faith built up, and then you go pray. It starts in the pew and it ends up in the prayer closet. But it's got to start in the pew because it won't have any power in the prayer closet if we don't have the word of God in our heart. How do I know that? Look what John 15, 7 says. If you abide in me, and if, everybody say if, my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. See, if you abide in me, that means if you're born again, if you're in Christ, if you're saved, you're a child of God, if you abide in Christ, if you abide in me, and turn there in your Bibles, read it, go ahead and open your Bibles, look at it, this is what it says, John fifteen seven. if you abide in me, and if, everybody say, if my word abides in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. You, can't, you will just shoot blanks. You will be an empty prayer. You won't have any power if you don't have the word of God to stand on. If you're not full of the word of God, your praying is never going to work. It's just not going to work. This is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, we know that he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, we know that he has granted us the petitions that we've desired of him. 1 John five fourteen. See, the confidence that we have is if we know his will. This is his will right here is his will. This is the revealed will of God. And this is the confidence. And that means that this is the faith. This is the faith that we have if we know the word. This is the faith. I'm just paraphrasing it. I'm putting it in 2015 vernacular. I'm putting it in just down home every day, everybody understand type of language. And basically what First John 4, 15 says is this is the faith that we will have if we know his word. And if we know his word, we know that he hears us, and, we've, and we know that he hears us, we know that he has granted us a petition that we've desired of him. There is no getting around it. There's no two ways about it that we have got to know the word and be in, in the word to have our prayer life work. And what we see in the American church is a decline, 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 decline in church attendance. Oh, you could not go to church and still be saved, but you won't have any faith and your prayers won't get answered. So you'll, you'll, you'll still go to heaven, I hope, unless you, you get so far from God, you, you start uh, backsliding and apostating and turning away and not wanting God anymore. And, you know, when, when you get away from God, that's exactly what starts to happen. And it's just a matter of time. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. When you're in church, you get built up by fellowship, by the preaching, and by prayer and intimacy. And using what you're learning in the sermon to go out and do 
and to pray. Somebody say amen. amen. See, we, we need to understand that until we, you know, it's kind of like the, the guy that wants to play football but doesn't have any interest in learning the playbook or listening to what the coach has to say. But I want to play football. I'm going to run out there, yeah, and you're going to run into the, you're going to run into the, uh, the goalpost with your head. Because you, you don't know if you're coming or going. You don't know your, 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 your head from your tail. You don't know what you're doing out there. You're, you're making a fool of yourself because you don't even know what the plan is. I know these people. I'm real spiritual. I'm not a Christian, but I'm real spiritual. You don't even know what the plan is. You don't know anything. Here's the plan revealed right here, the most profound thing that's ever hit planet Earth right there. And see, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And Americans are just, church is not important. We'll go once in a while, you know, we'll go on a field and, and, and that, and you know, and, and that, that, all right, that's fine. But you know what? You won't have any faith. You won't go to hell for not going to church, but you'll have a lot of hell for not going to church. Somebody say amen. You'll have a lot of hell in this life because you don't win in the prayer closet. How many of you have seen the movie War Room? Boy, if you haven't seen it, you need to go see it. It is powerful. It is awesome. It's the number one bestseller, and it's totally Christian. It's totally about prayer. It's an amazing, amazing movie, and you all need to go. Let's go to Isaiah 64, and let's look at verses 20, uh, excuse me, verse 7. And it says in Isaiah 64, verse 7, it says, And there is none that calleth upon my name that stirreth up himself to take hold of thee. For thou hast hid thy face from us, and thou hast consumed us because of our iniquities. The Bible says there is no one that stirreth himself up. There's none that call upon my name that stirreth himself to take hold of thee. They don't stir themselves up to take... You know, you've got to get stirred up to take hold of God in prayer. Remember the little woman in the fifth chapter of Mark? And it says that she had been uh, sick for 38 years. And for many years, she had gone to doctors and spent all that she had and she had nothing. And when she had heard of Jesus, she said within herself, if I can but touch the hem of his... God. Here she is talking to herself. She's all, you know, she's 38 years sick. She's been, she's broke now because she spent everything, you know, Medicare, Medicaid, and Meta, whatever, never did work for her. And she had to spend all of her money, and she didn't have any insurance. And she is broke, broke, broke. She has got nothing, but she's heard of Jesus. And she says, when she heard of Jesus, how many of you know that's hearing the word? When she heard of Jesus. Now, you can turn there and, and, and listen to the verses as I, as I walk down them. See, over there in that chapter 5, and it says, when she heard of Jesus, she said within herself. Everybody say, said within herself. If I can but touch the hem of his garment. She stirred herself up to take hold of him. If I can but touch the hem of his garment. She stirred herself up to take hold of him. It says, there is none that stirred themselves up to take hold of him. And there is none. And you, do you know that Jesus, when she came up and she grabbed hold of him, that all of a sudden it says, I felt virtue go out of me. And that, in the King James says virtue, but in the original Greek it says, I felt power go out of me. And he turns around and he says, who did that? And the disciples said, oh, Jesus, I mean, we've only rubbed up against 5,000 people today. How do I know who it is? There is none that stir themselves up to take hold of thee. Here, he's walking through a crowd, and, 
and, he, and he's touching the people over here, and he's touching the people over here, and he's rubbing up against the old man with the broken leg. He's rubbing up against the woman that's got, you know, a, a brain tumor. And he's walking up here, and he's, and he's touching the one that has uh, been sick since they were five years old. And, and he's touching all these people, and none of them are stirred up to take hold of him. But then there's one woman on the inside. She's stirring herself up. And she says, if I can but touch the hem of his garment. And which is the one that stirred themselves up? The one that heard of Jesus. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The one that heard of Jesus. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. All the rest are just standing there watching Jesus going, sure wish he'd heal me. Rubbed right up against them. No power came out of Jesus. That's where most of us are at today. Nothing's coming out of Jesus. They all look the same. They're all a bunch of sick people there. You get 5,000 people together, I guarantee you back in those days, there was a lot of sick people among them. He's rubbing up against a bunch of them, and the disciples are the entourage around trying to make way through the crowd. And, 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 and then all of a sudden, you know, something different. There, some power just went out of me. Here's the little woman, the only one. In the multitude of people who stirred herself up. See, it says, there is none. And usually there is none. But in that huge crowd, that day, there happened to be one. That's how rare it is to get a prayer person who stirs themselves up because they heard of Jesus. And she stirred herself up and she took hold of him and power came out of his body into that robe, through that robe into her hand, into her body, and healed that issue of blood that she'd had for all those years. I think it was 18 years. I said 30. I think it was 18. I don't know if anybody's following along in the text. It's either 38 or 18 years. But for a long, long time. Everybody say a long time. And suddenly, she was healed. And he said, great is your faith. He didn't say, all things are possible, them that prayed. Oh, great is your prayer. He didn't say, great is your prayer. He said to her, great is your faith. And faith comes by hearing. In other words, great is your hearing because your faith is going to be commensurate to your hearing. Can I get an amen? So great must have been her hearing. She said she had heard of Jesus. And he's the word. How many of you know he is the word? In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. He is the word made flesh and dwelled among us. Verse 14, 1 John, or John 1. We know that this woman stirred herself up to take hold and she extracted the power out of Jesus. We just think Jesus is going to come down and lay it on us. No, faith it takes the power out because faith has stirred itself up. And the reason why it's got stirred up, because it heard the word of God. It heard of Jesus. Now, you can turn there. That's all in Matthew 5. I'm trying to not jump into the word and turn the pages and take all the time because we're a little bit short on time today. How many of you trust that what I'm taking out is in Mark 5? It's all there. Go ahead and read it. There's something very powerful. He says, There is none that calleth upon thy name that stirreth up himself to take hold of thee, for thou hast hid thy face from us. See, we're thinking, God's hid his face. I, God, God doesn't dispense out any power. God, God's not helping me. But prayer doesn't work. Oh, yes, it does. We just don't work prayer. Prayer works. You know, you give a, a, a nitwit a, a very uh, complicated tool, and, you know, they, they might be trying to make it work, and they don't know how to... You know, oh, the tool works. It's the guy who's operating it doesn't know how it works. 
Can I get an amen? In an African country, they, 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 they sent over a, a Mercedes-Benz. Somebody had to use Mercedes, and they wanted to give it away, and they wanted to sow some seeds, so they sent their old car overseas and for these people to use. And here they were, they were, them and the chickens, and everybody was sleeping in it. They didn't know it was a vehicle and that it moved. How many of you know the car worked? They didn't know how to work the car. He's in a very, very primitive tribe. We, we, we're very, very primitive and undeveloped in some ways, as even though we think we're quite sophisticated in America. Turn me to Ezekiel 22 quickly. Ezekiel tells us the same thing. It says in Ezekiel, For I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and should stand in the gap. That's intercession. For me, for the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Well, you know, our family's just all messed up, Pastor Bill. We just got all kinds of problems. If it isn't one thing, it's another. Just everything's just getting destroyed. The devil's just tearing it up and just this and that and the other and this is bad and this is wrong and this don't work and I don't understand it. And I... God's looking for somebody to stand in the gap for that and pray for that situation. Do you pray? Oh, no, no. Well, sometimes... Well, I've never seen your prayer meeting in, 30 year, in 22 years. Never not one single solitary time. Well, I kind of pray at home sometimes. Really? You see, he looks for somebody who will get serious about prayer. God's looking for somebody who's going to get serious about praying. Because Jesus said, my house is to be a house of prayer. And you might be a word monster, and you might, and I listen to tapes every day, praise God, and I, I love coming to church. I, I like listening to the word. For what reason then? To do what? So you can say you know a lot of scriptures? Or so that you can get intimate with God through prayer? See, it's just the manual of how to get to know and talk to God. This is the manual of how to get to know and talk to God and get your needs met. Because we're in a covenant with him. And it says that he sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge. In other words, intercede, pray for the people, and stand in the gap before me. Be like an advocate, an intercessor, an attorney who will stand in the gap. You know, everything about prayer is like a courtroom. And we've got the accuser of the brethren. That's the defense. Uh, that's that's the, uh, the one bringing the charges against. And then we've got a defense attorney, and it's Jesus. How many, how many of you know the prosecution is the devil, and the defense attorney is Jesus? And God is the, is the judge of the court. And through Jesus in us, we go and we are advocates and intercessors. And we are defending in prayer. Because the devil is always making accusation. Can I get an amen? amen? Heaven is a courtroom. Believe me, it's a courtroom. It's likened unto that in many, many verses of scriptures. He sought for something. Couldn't find anybody, so he had to destroy it. You know, if the, uh, if the defendant... Uh, comes in, or the one that's been, the charges have been pressed, and he shows up, and the prosecuting attorney is there. But you know, if the defense attorney doesn't show up, guess what's going to happen? The judge is going to have to say, guilty. Nobody defended him. Nobody brought the reasons why I shouldn't do this. And I sought for a man, I sought for an attorney among them that should stand in the gap or be the intercessor or the advocate for the land, but I found none, and so I should, so that I should destroy it, but I found none. 
the judge is saying, I'm looking for the defense attorney because they've bought prosecution against this man. And all there is is a prosecuting attorney, but there's no defense attorney. The defense attorney never showed up, so there was no case for me to judge it and forgive him of his crime. And so now I'm going to have to bring judgment on him and destroy him. See, that's what God's talking about. Everybody get that this morning? Heaven is a courtroom, and there's no defense attorneys showing up. There's nobody coming and praying for the other people. And it says in, in, in Isaiah 25, it says, that, come and let us reason together. In other words, come and plead your case together with the Holy Spirit, with Jesus, and what you want God to do for you. Somebody say amen. 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 And we need to be doers of the word. One thing I have found about doing, it says, be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own self, is we can learn all kinds of information and never do. We can learn and not do. You know, you, you, you can learn stuff. I learned all kinds of stuff in school that I never have done. I, I, I learned all kinds of stuff that, that I've seen on television. I've never done it. But we can't do and not learn. Let me say that again. You can't do and not learn. If you go out, let me tell you something. If you go out and help somebody build their house, by the time you're done building the house, I'll guarantee if you've never done it before that you have learned some things. I guarantee you will learn some things by doing. I'll guarantee you if you've never prayed before, but if you come to a prayer meeting and read your Bible and sit under preaching and start praying, you're going to learn some things. And you don't even have to learn, but if you'll do it, See, the greater measure of learning is in the doing. I can give every one of you a little handbook on how to be a great quarterback. But I guarantee if you don't go out on that field and throw that ball and experience guys running at you, 300-pound guys that can bench press 500 pounds running at you, you will never know what it's like to be a true quarterback. You will learn by doing. And you will run faster than you've ever ran before. And you will have emotions you've never felt before. And you'll throw that ball harder than you've ever thrown it before. Because you will learn by doing. But you may not do by learning. And many people don't do because of their learning. I would say most people don't do their learning. And you can learn and learn and learn. And the Bible says in Timothy to beware of people who learn. It says forever learning, but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. A lot of people come, you should see the books I read, Pastor Bill. I, I read this book, and, I, and I've listened to these DVDs, and Brother So-and-So, I just love his, his tapes on, on prayer. Oh, his tapes on prayer. You should, read, you should listen to his DVDs on prayer. And, and I'm thinking, you know what? I've been doing those things for 20 years. You listen to tapes but never show up at prayer meeting. Oh, I should learn what, what you've been listening to? How about instead of you listening, you start doing what I've been doing? How about instead of listening, you start doing what I'm doing instead of me listening to what you're listening to? Come on, somebody. Say amen. Oh, I've been learning all about it. Haven't seen you at prayer. You aren't doing Oh, I never listened to tape, but I'm doing it. I'll show you my faith by my doing. Faith without corresponding action is dead. Doesn't mean a thing how much you learn. I don't care if you got 20 PhDs. It says, Paul prayed that they ever be deceived from the simplicity of the gospel like the devil deceived Eve. 
you know, we get all thinking, I'm learning this, I'm learning that. How many of you know, when you get on Judgment Day, all those books and all that learning is going to amount to this much. And Jesus is going to say, I know thy works. Not the books you've read. I know thy works. And your works follow you to heaven. Not the books you read. The works, it says in the book of Revelation, will follow you to heaven. The works is what you've done. See, it really doesn't make a difference what you know. If you know, I would rather do one verse out of the Bible than be able to quote and know every single verse in the Bible. You will get more in heaven. The reward will be more and the results will be more by learning one verse and doing it and then reading the whole Bible 20 times in 47 million books and not doing it. See, people, because they know a lot, they think that that makes them qualify to be a doer because they like reading. See, instead of people coming to prayer, I mean, talking about prayer, we need to. And, you know, if we can't get people to come to prayer, we're going to bring prayer to them in the main service. Can I get an amen? amen. If we, if we, the, the best thing I can think of is the way that we take on prayer is that we come and be doers of the word together. How many want to be doers of the word together? Amen. 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 Jesus brought prayer into that room. Now, I'm going to go back to what Jesus said there in Matthew. It says this, in Matthew 21, this is, this, is, this is a powerful portion of scripture. It says that Jesus went into the temple of God, and there was no prayer going on. They were selling, and they were money changers, and all kinds of stuff was going on, but prayer wasn't going on. And cast out all of them that sold and bought in the temple, and overthrew the tables and the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves, and said unto them, it is written, my house shall be a house of prayer. You've made it a den of thieves. Okay. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. See, before we have money changing going on, we've got Jesus. There's no prayer at the temple. How many of you know Jesus brought prayer to the temple? Jesus had prayer going on in him. And because he had prayer going on in him, he went to the place where there wasn't a lot of prayer going on. And we need to come on Sunday morning with prayer going on in us. And we need to bring ourselves and our prayer to the temple. Can I get an amen? And where there was no prayer, you see, he said, my house will be a house of prayer. Number two, Jesus brought the prayer. And then number two, Jesus spoke the prayer. Everybody say, Jesus spoke the prayer. He says, my house shall be a house of prayer. You know, I'm going I'm to ask every one of you to say, my house, my church, my Jubilee Family Church is going to become a house of prayer. How many will bring prayer on Sunday morning? How many will bring their confession that this will be a house of prayer? Amen. See, Jesus didn't come and say, well, it's not, gonna, it's not a house of prayer, never going to be a house of prayer. I don't know how you could ever make it a house of prayer, and I don't care, because it'll never become a house of prayer with all these people. No, I, I say, come and say, uh, bring your prayers with you and say uh, that God's house is going to be a house of prayer. God's house is a house of prayer. This is a house of prayer. Whether we recognize it or not, uh, it's, it's a house of prayer. That's what it's made for. That's what it's designed to do. That's what will cause everything to work. Is, it's, it's designed by God to be a house of prayer. And if we'll just get into agreement with that and begin to say it and show up with our prayers, it'll become a house of prayer. You believe that this morning? And you're going to start getting your prayers answered. You're going to... See, that relative gets saved. 
You're going to see that financial breakthrough come through. You're going to see that healing come into your life. You're going to see that kid get straightened out. You're going to see that problem between you and your wife uh, come to fruition and God fix it. You're going to see all kinds of things begin to happen because when we, and how many of you know we're Jesus, we're the body of Christ today. When we come to the house where there's all, you know, who knows what all kinds of things are going on in a lot of different churches, but when we come to house, if there's maybe a little deficiency in prayer, which I believe that we need to, we need to shore it up a little bit and we need to be a little better at prayer, I believe that when we come and we show up with prayer in us and we declare that this is going to be a house of prayer, then I believe what happened in that next verse is going to happen in our house. And it says, and the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. In other words, there was power released. How many of you know, first we had a, we had a house with no power in it and then Jesus comes and corrects it and brings his prayer with it. And then he declares it's going to be a house of prayer, and people came, and all of a sudden, for the first time, people start getting healed. That needs to be our order of service. And we need to take that, and we need to make that something that we do. I believe that Jesus brought prayer with him. I believe Jesus brought the power with him. True prayer produces power. And prayer and power, turn with me, and we're just about done, and I'm, I'm about halfway through, and we're going to pick this up next week. But look at Luke 5 and 16 and 17. Go to Luke quickly. 5. Everybody say, this house is going to be a house of prayer. Amen. Now, we've been praying. We've been doing good. We, we probably pray a lot more than most churches. But I will say this. God has informed me that he wants us to up it a notch. How many of you sense, sense that we might need to up it a notch or two? Amen. And I thank God for this church. And I thank God that we are a praying church. But I want to be an extraordinary praying church. I want to see more people get healed. I want to see more people get saved. I want to see more marriages get fixed. I want to see more supernatural prosperity come into your hands. And I'm sure none of you would want that. No, just teasing. So we, we, <laughs> we need to believe. We need to get in faith. Luke 5, look over here. Luke 5, 16 and 17. Look what Jesus is doing over here in 16 and 17. And it says, But so much the more went there a fame abroad from him, and a great multitude came together to hear and to be healed by him of their iniquities. And he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. And it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Everybody say, and the power was present to heal. And why? Because he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. Let me go to another one. Just jump over to Luke 6, verses 12 and 19. I'm just going to, for the sake of time, we'll just extract the verses that are relevant. In verse 12, and it says, And it came to pass in those days that he went out into the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. Wow, that's a big, long prayer meeting. And in verse 19, And the whole multitude sought to touch him. Now they all had themselves stirred up to pray. And the whole multitude sought to touch him, for there went virtue out of him, and he healed them all. See, for some reason, there was only one woman that was stirred up to take hold of him in, the, in one place, back in Math, Mark 5. But here, after he had prayed all night long, everybody say all night long. 
the whole crowd stirred themselves up to take hold of him and got healed. More prayer, more power dispensed. Somebody say amen. amen. Now, I find it interesting that in the first one, it says he went up into the wilderness. You can see there in Luke 5.15, it says that he went, excuse me, 16, he went into the wilderness and prayed. And then in Luke 6.12, it says he went up into the mountain to pray. Two pictures for us. The first one is the wilderness. The wilderness, you can look and you can see in 2 Corinthians 6.17, it says, come out and be ye separate and I'll receive you and you shall be, I shall be your God and you shall be my people. It says, come out and be separate. Going into the wilderness was going out was an act of separation. Wilderness always meant an act of separation and self-denial. Everybody say separation and self-denial is mighty hard on my flesh, Pastor Bill. It's hard on mine, too. <laughs> it's hard on all of our flesh to be separated. It's hard on all of our flesh to deny ourselves the creature conference and the pleasures of 2015. Of course it is. That's why not everybody, you know, that's why not everybody's good at, at something because they don't have the discipline to be good at it. Take some discipline to pray. And the first one is you've got to have a wilderness experience and that separation and consecratedness and separateness. Number two, and he went up to the mountain. And in Colossians, it says, setting your affections on things above and not below. The mountain is where your consecration, I mean, what your affection is. It says to set your affections on things above and not below. How many of you know it says that in Colossians 3, 2? See, one is a separation, and the other one is an elevation. Repentance, you separate from the pig pen by turning around and going the other way. In repentance, you says, I will arise, and I'll turn around. Repent means to reascend to the higher place. We need to turn around from our natural flesh and go into the wilderness that's hard on our flesh. And we need to arise from a low life to a higher life by going up to the mountain. And when we do those two things, prayer begins to work. And when prayer begins to work, it's because faith is working inside you. And that's where we're going to leave off today. We're going to pick it up next week. Everybody say, I will ascend and I'll go high to the mountain. Amen. Amen. And then I will depart and be separated. Say that with me. I will depart and be separated from this world and all the worldliness. See, that's what it requires to be effective in prayer. Well, we don't want to do that. Well, you think I want to? Everybody's flesh feels the same way. But, you know, if you're going to be good at sports, you're going to have to hit the weights. If you're going to be good at sports, you're going to have to throw the ball. If you're going to be good in school, you're going to have to hit the books. If you're going to, you know, I don't care what it is. If you're going to be good, if you're going to be effective, you're going to have to be disciplined. Everything I've ever done in my life, I decided if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it with excellence. I'm going to be disciplined at it. I'm not going to be some half-baked knucklehead that never gets the rewards of the thing, of the, of the time and effort sown. I'm going to get the rewards. If I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it right. I'm going to get the reward for doing it. I'd rather do that than half-baked and do all the work, half the work and not get any of the reward. I'd rather do all the work, get all the reward, than half the reward, not half the work and none of the reward. See, a lot of people do half the work. Well, I come to church and I pray. Hey, guess what? It takes more than that. 
well, I show up for practice and have a half, you know, effort and eat wrong, go to bed late, never do any weightlifting, never do any extra run. But I don't know why I'm not good. Come on, we recognize it in the sports world, but we don't recognize it in our own world when it's spiritual. Let's be disciplined. Let's be good at something. Let's go all the way. Let's get the reward. Amen. Well, that, that's the sermon. But here's what we're going to do next. We're going to have put action to our... What time is it? Oh, boy, we're running out of time. Last time we had temporary. And you know what? The Lord says, don't do something temporary, but do something permanent. We had some temporary boards we put up for prayer. And God, I believe this, that it's time for permanence, to make it a permanent fixture in the house of God that we pray. Now, I thought, you know, we got four colors here. Maybe we should use red for people that you're believing for to get saved. But I want you to come up here, and next week we're going we're to teach how to pray. How many of you got your little prayer thing in your bulletin right here? This thing right there. Let me pull that out. I hope this thing won't fall apart when I do it. Okay. This is a little tool. We did this before. We're doing it again. We're reviving. We're just doing the same thing again. I want you to write the names of the people you're praying for on this. I want you to begin to pray. I don't care if it's relatives. I don't care if it's co-workers. I don't care if it's somebody in your social circle. I don't care who it is, but you're praying for them to get saved, get restored if they're backslidden, and come to this church. How many of you will do that with some, with maybe three? Let's start out with three people, because I don't know if we're going to have enough room on there. Let's start out with three priority people that you're praying for. And let's pray for people that then we can invite and bring to this church. Not somebody who lives on the other side of the you know, planet. Somebody who lives here within proximity that not only can we pray for, but we can actually follow up on. And have faith with corresponding action. Everybody say faith with corresponding action. Pray for them and then do something to get them into God's kingdom, into church. Can I get an Amen. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to have the first three, four rows to come forward and write down, and then you can write, let's come down here and write it down on here, and then let's uh, go ahead and, uh, you know, we're just going to start out with black. We, we may diversify the colors later, or we can use all the colors. Let's just, there's all kinds of people, so there's all kinds of colors, so all right. We're being real culturally diverse here. All right, come on down, first three rows, write down three people that you'll pray for on a regular basis when we come to church, and we're going to pray every Sunday. Sometimes I have Kurt going to lead the prayer. Sometimes I might have one of you guys, I don't know, I'm just going to call people to lead the prayer. So you better, better learn how to pray or you're going to get real embarrassed. Next Sunday, nobody shows up. No, I'm just teasing. No, we're, we're going to, we'll choose certain people. But how many of you know that we can pray and God's going to start making a difference? Uh, keep it all on the front side and keep it smaller than that, guys. Keep it smaller than that. Erase that and make it a little bit smaller. Start right up here and just bring them down and start really small. So that way we can get everybody's on there. All right. This is what it feels like to actually do instead of just sitting here. Can I get an amen? amen. See, it's, it's, it changes. Everything's different when you start doing the word. Everything feels different when you start actually doing it. How many of you know doing it is what gets the results? When we actually start doing the word. Whoa, careful down there. Amen. Or how many of you are coming downstairs to have some cake and, and goodies with Phil and Carol today? Amen. Amen. As soon as they're done, just next three rows, get up and come on down. Next three rows, get up and come on down. 
Amen. Came from, came from a family of nine. My sister, my mom, and I all got saved at the same time. There were six more of us in our family. And we prayed, and I'll tell you what, we, we wrote it down. We got serious. We wrote it down. We nailed it down. We spent time praying together. We prayed individually. In six months, my whole family and I got born again and filled with the Holy Ghost and were serving God. Try to tell this person that prayer doesn't work. Just try to tell me it doesn't work. I know that it works. And I know people aren't working prayer. But I know that prayer works. I know a lot of people aren't working prayer in their life because they don't understand it. And it's just an honest thing that they don't understand. And as we teach it, as we act upon it, you'll begin to understand it as you do it. You know, Jesus said in John 7 or Matthew 7, I can't remember, I think it's John 7, he says, you'll know the doctrine whether or not, if it's true or not, by doing it. You'll know the doctrine after you do it, if it's true. Why? Because when you do it and it works, you say, yep, that's true, it works. How many of you know if you've got five pens in a drawer and only one of them works and the rest are dried up, how are you going to find out which one of those pens works if they all look the same? Anybody tell me this morning? You've got five pens in a drawer and four of them are dried up and only one of them works. How are you going to figure out which one works? By trying it. You test it. You do it. The way that you learn is by doing Prayer will come to you, an understanding of effective prayer, and getting your... How many of you want your prayers answered? Anybody want that? The way that you'll find out how to get your prayers answered is by doing it, by the practice of praying. And how many of you know that corporate prayer has more power than individual prayer? Let me just tell you, and I'll, I'll prove that all to you next week when we teach, but corporate prayer has more power than your individual prayer. And if you're weak in prayer, the corporate prayer will carry you. How many of you know out on a football team that the corporate power of the team is more than the individual person? Corporate prayer is more powerful than individual prayer because there's agreement, and wherever two or more are agreed, there am I in the midst of thee. You see, corporate prayer is much more powerful than individual prayer. Come on, next three rows, come on down. Come on down. Write three people's names that you're going to pray for, you're going to commit to pray for in the days to come. Well, let me tell you something. There's power in corporate prayer. Individual prayer is good, but when you're weak, you know, there's power in a... How many of you know if there's only one kid on the team playing, uh, you're going to have problems? But if you've got the whole football team playing, engaging, you've got a powerful force. Amen. That's why we have corporate prayer. Well, I can do this at home alone. No, you can't. No, you can't. It's not the same. I, I'll prove that to you scripturally where you're wrong. It is not the same. Your individual prayer at home is not the same as coming together and assembling yourself in prayer. You know, you're all a part of the puzzle that releases the whole picture of prayer. There are some people that are called for this thing. There's some people who are called for this. There's some people who are called for this. There's another person that's called for this. You place it all together and the puzzle comes together and the prayer becomes more effective because it's more complete. Some people have an anointing to pray for different things. So I'll tell you what, corporate prayer is more powerful than individual prayer. Amen. And God is watching today who signs up. Because it's, it's it's a saying, yes to Jesus, I'll become intimate with you, or it's saying, no, I won't. It's a saying, yes, I'll obey and submit 
to spiritual authority or it's a, it's a saying, no, I won't. It's almost saying, I don't want to get to know you, Jesus. We need to intimately get to know him individually and corporately. And what he can do individually and corporately in prayer uh, is, is very powerful. And there is time for individual prayer, but there's time for corporate prayer. So, amen. Anybody else that hasn't come down, just everybody else come on down. The rest of you just come on down. Let's line up. Let's get this done quickly. Let's get those names written down there. And let's get it, let's get it finished up here. Because I'm hungry for cake. How about you? That's real spiritual. That's, not, that's going to the mountain, Pastor Bill. That's the wilderness. That's, that's the fasting. Way to go, Pastor Bill. Cake. Where's the cake at? Just kidding. Amen. How many of you know there's a time? How many of you know you can't live fasted all the time? Everybody know that? You can't fast forever. How many of you know there's seasons where we need to bear down in prayer? Seasons of, 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 of really bearing down. Seasons of fasting. Seasons of self-denial. Seasons of turning off the idiot tube at home. Seasons where, you know, uh, we're not going to dumb down. We're going to smarten up. Come on, somebody. And, and, and there's just seasons where we really need to focus. And then there's kind of reprieve. And, and Jesus says, let's go rest. Let's go, to a, let's go to a dry place and let's rest. And let's take a break. We're all worn out. There's times where we've got to put press in and pray. There's times where we've got to sit back and, okay, we can relax now. And we're going to have that in prayer. Amen. I believe God's going to do some mighty things. I'm, I'm excited already, and we haven't even started. I'm excited about the prayers that are going to get answered. I, God showed me if we'd do this, that we, we would see amazing things. I believe it. Mark it down. Write it down in a book. Mark it down. We're going to see amazing things. We're going to see things happen with your mom and dad, your son and your daughter. We're going to see things happen with your aunt and uncle and nephew and niece. We're going to see things happen with the guy at work. We're going to see things happen in physical bodies getting healed. I believe that because we're going to understand prayer. We're going to be a house of prayer. We're not just going to be people of pray. We're going to be a house of prayer. Amen. I believe that. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, next week, we'll probably add some more people on there. I see we, we, got, we still have a pretty good amount of room. And we might pray for people specifically that need to be healed and write their names down. But right now, we're, we're praying for people to get saved and or restored, backsliders restored, and lost people to be saved and brought to the church. That's, that's our main focus. And only three people. We don't get so many people, we can't pray effectively for all of them. We'll just get a handful, and we'll really start bearing down and praying and believing. Amen. All right. Well, let's all stand up. We're going to be dismissed.